Hey, I want to say welcome to Family Sunday. And um, today, I think that we're going to feel a little bit differently than we have been in this series in James. So we're going through the, the book of James, this letter written by the younger brother of Jesus. And, and what I hope that we do today, because once a month on the first Sunday of the month, we, we like to worship with the whole church family together. And that means that instead of having children's church, we, we often have kids out here. And so, we, you know, we may look and feel a little bit differently. And so we may not, we may not feel like we're going as deep into the passage as we normally do, but but, you know, I think, I think that we are. And so I hope that you still pull these deep truths from this passage. It may feel a little bit less intense than it has the last couple of weeks, but, but the, uh, the, the depth is there. This past week, I was up at 5 o'clock with my dogs, and I was taking them for a walk around the neighborhood. And the funny thing is, the very night before, I had said to Janine, I said, um, you know what, if it takes me longer to walk the dogs tomorrow morning, don't be alarmed, don't, don't call the police, don't come looking for me. But our neighborhood's pretty big, and I normally just go around the, the first little loop there. But I thought, you know, I could use a little more exercise, and so could the dogs. And so I'm going to go around the whole neighborhood tomorrow. And so if it takes me longer, don't worry. I'm just, I'm taking a longer route. And, and I shouldn't have said that. But so I said that, and then the next morning, 5 a.m., the dogs wake me up, and so I get them leashed up, and, and we start, and it's still dark out. I can't remember what morning it was, but you'll know, because it was the same morning that there was a rocket launch. What day was that? Okay, so Wednesday morning, and, and, and it was still dark at 5 a.m., and so I'm out there, and by the way, did you guys know that if you witness a rocket launch and you don't know that you're witnessing a rocket launch, it can freak you out a little bit? <laughs> did you guys know that? Because you, you're from Florida, and you've seen this a hundred times, but I'm telling you, man, I'm walking the dogs, and it's such a beautiful, clear night, and all of a sudden, I see this really bright thing in the sky, and I'm like, wow, that's interesting, and it keeps getting brighter and brighter, and then little things start to break off of it and loop around and spin around. And it was such a clear night that it looked like it looked like it was just a couple of neighborhoods down the road. And I thought, wow, there's something going on with construction. It's a flare. They like to start work before the sun comes up. And so they're getting an early start. But I, I may have mentioned something about an alien invasion when I got home. And because I didn't know what it was. I had no idea that it was a rocket launch. Later in the day I found it out that it was. But it was really quite beautiful. It was, it was really cool. So Wednesday morning, I'm walking the dogs and I'm taking them to this far side of the neighborhood. It's still dark out. And so I'm walking three dogs. And so I'm walking three dogs and all of a sudden out of the darkness, a, a pit bull comes out and approaches us. Now, I, she's actually a very sweet dog and she was wagging her tail and, and licking her chops. No, I'm kidding. She was, she was just wagging her tail. She was a very sweet, very friendly dog. She came up and, and so, you know, I got down and cautiously, you know, greeted her and then I'm petting her and I'm loving on her and the dogs are all making friends and, and everything's good. But I got to walk my dogs. And so I said, okay, now you go home. We, you know, we're leaving. You, you got to go home. And she looked at me and she just began began to cry and whine and whimper. And I'm just laughing at this stuff. I actually videotaped some of it, even though it was too dark to see it. You can hear her whining and crying. It was hysterical. And so big old muscular dog, she's just crying like a baby. And I kept saying, you got to go home, get, get home. And then I take a couple steps and she'd be going, you know, just whining and crying. And so I'm trying, so I, I decide that, you know, this dog doesn't know where it belongs and no collar on this dog. Although she looked incredibly well kept for. And so I, I began to to try to look for people that I could say, hey, do you recognize this dog? Well, a, a car comes by, and I'm like, hey, you know, hey, hey, and they just keep driving. <laughs> I mean, it's just some guy with two chihuahuas, a Yorkie, and a pit bull. 
and they just keep driving. And so then, and so then, I, you know, another person comes by, and I'm like, I'm like, hey, hey, hello, hello, hello. And, and so this lady stops her car, but she won't, she won't roll the window down. And I'm like, I'm just wondering if you recognize this dog. And she begins to, and I'm like, ma'am, I can't hear you. I don't know what you're saying. And she talked to me for five minutes, but I had no idea what she said, and then she drove off. Then another, a jogger came by, and I know that they probably had earbuds in and everything, but I'm going, hey, 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 just keeps running right by me. Another car came by and kept driving by me, and I, I actually yelled out loud. We can get to this in the third chapter of James about controlling your tongue. But I literally, these words came out of my mouth. This is not the nice side of the neighborhood. And then this, this pickup truck, when I yelled that, the pickup truck stopped and backed up. And I walked up to the window, and he rolled the window down, and I said, just trying to ask you a question here. And he goes, what do you want? And I said, do you recognize that dog? And he said, no. So he left. And I'm like, I am so frustrated. And I have, I have drawn an opinion about the people that live on this side of the neighborhood. I am never walking on this side of the neighborhood again. I'm trying to do a good thing for one of their dogs. And they, there are no nice people over here. Well, eventually, this, this garage door started to go up. And so I'm like, yes. Here's another person. And so this guy began to back his car out of, the, out of his driveway, and I waved him down, you know, and he got out, and I began to talk to him. I, I can't find this. You know, and he's like, oh, it's a really sweet dog. He, he spent the next half an hour, which made him late for work, half an hour helping me knock on doors, waking people up around 5, 5.30 in the morning, and, and asking them, hey, is this your dog? Do you know where this dog is? He thought that he had seen the dog before, but it turned out the house that he thought it belonged to had their dog, so it wasn't that dog. But he just stayed with me for about half an hour. We're going from door to door to door to door. We cannot find anything. And then eventually, there's another lady that we knocked on her door, and she came out, and she was like, oh, well, this is such a nice dog. we got to find its home. And so she joins the search party, find, trying to find, you know, trying to get Nemo home. And so we're, we're spending all this time together. Eventually, that guy had to go to work, but he, he was so gracious with his time. And this woman stayed with me, and we went from door to door to door to door until finally we found somebody that said, oh, yeah. I know where that dog belongs. I mean, it's, it's like the next block over, but I know those guys. And she, they even said, Jules, come here, Jules. And the dog came running into their house and began to play with their dog. And so they said that they'll take her home. And so I was like, well, that's wonderful. So I thank this woman for helping me. And then, you know, it's daylight by now. And, and I was still kind of shaky from the alien sighting. And, and so I went home and, and, and I was upset to see that Janine wasn't worried about me because I'd been gone. I'd been gone for two hours. In my neighborhood. She was like, you get lost, you know? And, and, and so, you know, anyhow, I got home. And, and what was so weird, and here's, here's the point of all of this. If I had expected the people that looked more like me to be nicer to me and to be more helpful to me, and for people that didn't necessarily look like me, come from the same background as me or grow up the same as me or, and all of that, to, to not be the ones that would be nice and helpful, I would have been exactly the opposite wrong. Okay? Every white guy that drove by was absolutely not helpful at all. And the people that did stop and help, the two people that I mentioned, their skin was a different color than mine. They had very heavy accents which I, I am quite certain means that their, their primary language was not the same as mine. They, they probably came from very different backgrounds. 
And, and they were so gracious and so helpful. And yet I'm over there drawing all these conclusions about this is not the nice side of the neighborhood. I was furious. I was so mad as people would just drive by and keep driving. And then these people were so gracious and, and gave me so much of their time. If I were to ask you to list the characteristics of God, just kind of one word definitions, you know, words that define or describe God, you would say, th- well, let's just do a couple, okay, really quick. A couple of, couple of words that describe God. Love. God is love. Okay, what else? Compassionate. Compassionate. Good. Huh? God is awesome. Yeah. Okay. This side of the room. Where you guys been? I've missed you. Huh? Powerful. Yeah. God is is all of these things. God is all-knowing. God is powerful. He is capable. He is mighty. He is good. He is loving. But how about this one? And it's funny that we never think of this one, okay? But we will today. How about this one? Impartial. That's, that's a characteristic of God. God is impartial. And in his impartiality, he is the exact opposite of us. Or at least our tendencies, our, our natural draw that sometimes we have to wrestle against. We often put people's worth, we put people's value into different categories or into different levels. And it usually has to do with external things. How does a person look? You know, how talented is that person? What about that person's education or their income? The clothes that they wear, the car that they drive, the house that they live in. What about how their kids behave? What about their, you know, the color of their skin or the language that they speak or, or their religious background? Or, or what about past mistakes that they've made? Or, or what about whether or not they have tattoos? Okay. And so we take all of these things a lot of times, whatever it is, maybe I didn't hit your hot button. Okay. You know what it is. But, but a lot of times we take these external things and we put people into categories and we can be begin to kind of draw our perspective on what a person's value is based on all of these things for whatever reason. But God doesn't do that. And here's what this means to us, because God does not do that. You can never do anything to cause God to love you more. And you can never do anything to cause God to love you less. He is completely impartial in his love for you. He doesn't love one category of people more than another. He doesn't love any, any, he loves everybody the same. He is completely impartial in his love. He loves every soul the same. Celine, I'm going to ask you a question, okay? Will you just be honest with me? I'm going to tell you a little story and ask you a little question, all right? You're just the first kid that I see, so I'm making a beeline on you. Okay, I want you to imagine there's a big thing going on at church today and you're really excited about it. Maybe Taylor Swift was going to be here leading worship. Whatever it is, and you're really excited about it. And so you come early and you get a really good seat and you're like, yay, Taylor Wells. I mean, Taylor Swift is going to be leading worship today. And so you're really excited about that. And you come early and you get a good seat and then the place packs out and, and it's all really full and really busy and everything. And then right before church, there's another little girl that walks in and she's wearing really fancy clothes. And she looks fancy, and she wants a better seat. And so Daddy walks up to you and says, Hey, Celine, I want you to just, why don't you just sit on the floor, and I'm going to give this other girl your seat because she wants a better seat. How would that make you feel? You would feel good about that? That's, that's her mother. That's her mother coming out of her, because that ain't her daddy. That ain't her daddy. So... You would be happy to give up your seat for somebody because we're in church probably, but I wouldn't be happy about it, okay? I came early to get a good seat. You came late, 
and I'm going to sit on the floor while you take the best seat in the house? I'm not happy about that. I'm not even close to happy about that. And James warns us in his letter that we're going to look at today, he warns us to be very careful how we value each other. And just like every test of self-evaluation that he gives us throughout this letter, he is teaching us this lesson over and over again because we stumble and we fall and we fail and we evaluate ourselves and we're like, boy, I'm really blowing it in this area. But here's the application in every single one of these tests. You can write it in your notes. God's expectation for me is progress, not perfection. God's expectation for me is progress, not perfection. So let's take a minute to read through this passage today. It's James chapter 2, verses 1 through 13. I'm going to read it from the screen, and you can follow along there. You can open up to James chapter 2 in your Bibles. This is where we're going to spend most of our time today. James chapter 2, verses 1 through 13. And James says, My brothers and sisters, believers in our glorious Lord Jesus Christ, must not show favoritism. He says that, listen, Jesus Christ in all of the years that he lived on the earth never once showed favoritism to anybody. And if you're going to be his follower, if you're going to wear his name, do not show favoritism to anybody. Then he goes on with the story. Suppose a man comes into your meeting wearing a gold ring and fine clothes. Now it's interesting here that in this day, they would often wear a bunch of Liberace rings all over their fingers. You got to be, you got to be really old to know who that is, unless you saw that movie a while back. I don't know. But, but often they, the more rings that they wore, the, the higher status that they were. And I even read this, that there was a ring rental business going on back in the days of Jesus. Oh, you got this big event coming up? I tell you what, you want to look like, you want to impress people? I can, I, can, I can rent you a couple of rings. And so they would rent rings and stuff and so that to make people think that they were a higher status than they really were. And, and, then, and then, you know, the fancy clothes. So he was wearing, you know, he was all decked out with fancy rings and then he was wearing sparkly, fancy gowns or robes and everything. Probably very similar to what the Romans mocked Jesus with during crucifixion. Okay, this guy walks in and he's just all decked out. And so imagine this man comes in and then a poor man in filthy old clothes also comes in. If you show special attention to the man wearing the fine clothes and you say, oh, here's a good seat for you. But you say to the poor man, oh, you stand over there. You sit on the floor by my feet. Now there, basically when you would walk into these places of worship, unless it was in somebody's home, which most churches started in someone's home, but in the synagogue, this is basically the way it was. It would be a big open room. There would probably be some benches along the back walls and maybe along the side. And then there would be a couple of benches right up front. And that's where, these are the good seats. This is where everybody wanted to be. This is where the Pharisees always wanted to sit, right up front, right up close, where everybody can see what they're doing and see what they're wearing and all this. And so if you show special attention to the man wearing the fine clothes and you say, here's a good seat for you, but you say to the poor man, you stand over there, you sit on the floor at my feet. Have you not discriminated among yourselves and become judges with evil thoughts? Listen, my dear brothers and sisters, has not God chosen those who are poor in the eyes of the world to be rich in faith and to inherit the kingdom that he promised to those who love him? I keep thinking about the, the, very, um, the very humble circumstances, circumstances that most of the early followers of Jesus came from. 
Jesus himself, the son of a carpenter. I mean, there were, you know, his disciples and the apostles, many of them were just blue-collar workers, you know, carpenters and fishermen and, and tent makers and all this kind of stuff. And they worked with their hands and they, and they sweat out in the sun and they worked really hard and, and humble circumstances. And they turned the world upside down because they were rich in faith, no matter what their economic situation was. And we know that many people were poor and going without food. And so Jesus miraculously fed them to, to, to meet their physical needs so that he could preach to them about their spiritual need. And, and, and there was a name that came to mind, and maybe this will help this point right here. Um, I kept thinking about Mother Teresa, who is such a beautiful example of someone that, that gave up you know, any, any desire for anything material so that she could minister to and show God's love to the, to the most humblest of circumstances in the country of India. And so she lived in poverty. And so she just loved on, on children that came from poverty and that were disease stricken. And, and she, she turned her back on, on all that the world had to offer. And I think, what a beautiful example. And then this came to mind. I, I wonder... I wonder if it would have been different if Mother Teresa had, had been born into a really wealthy family and, and, had, and had grown up in a really wealthy family and had stayed in a really wealthy family, maybe married into a really wealthy family. And so she was surrounded with all these material blessings, which are okay, which are not, not terrible. But, but, you know, would she have chosen to leave all of that behind to go to Calcutta, India, and to minister to people that are in such incredible need? Um, sometimes I think that God allows people to live in very humble circumstances because it's part of his plan for shaping them and molding them into the person that he wants them to be for a greater purpose. So her name came to mind. And, and so God, God chooses those who are poor in the eyes of the world to be rich in faith and to inherit the kingdom that he promised those who love him. But if you have dishonored the poor, is it not the rich who are exploiting you? Are they not the ones who are dragging you into court? Are they not the ones who are blaspheming the noble name of him to whom you belong? Now, I don't want you to think that, that, that James here is saying that all rich people are bad. In this situation, to the people that he was writing, it was very common that the rich people were exploiting the poor people. And so that's what he's referring to here. And, and then he ends this passage by saying this. Speak and act as those who are going to be judged by the law that gives freedom. This is, this is God's law. This is the law that, that gives us freedom from sin. This is the law that gives us freedom from the guilt and the shame of sin. Because judgment without mercy will be shown to anyone who has not been merciful. And then he ends with this beautiful, incredible phrase, mercy triumphs over judgment. Mercy, mercy wins. Okay, Here's mercy, here's judgment. Mercy wins. And I want to think about our everyday lives, when we're cut off in traffic, when you get beat up and somebody takes your lunch money, when somebody starts a rumor about you and and says a lie about you, when you get passed over for a promotion, when when some joker cuts you off in traffic and then they're speeding up the road, don't you just hope and pray that, that as you drive down the road, you see them pulled over by, by a state trooper, don't you? I mean, don't you think about that? I dream about that. I want to see that so much. So let me ask you, which do you want for the person who has wronged you? Do you want mercy or judgment for the person who has wronged you? Judgment. <laughs> which one do you want for yourself? And James is saying by showing mercy to others, we give evidence 
of having experienced and received the mercy of God. So here's the simple outline today, and you can, you can see it on your notes. We're going to talk about the what, the why, and the how, okay? What, why, and how. So number one in your notes, what is James saying here? What is he saying? And here's what he's saying. Don't show favoritism. It's that simple. This passage he is saying, do not show favoritism. Do not show partiality. Do not play favorites. Do not discriminate against other people. Hey, Phil. How many kids do you have? Five. Can you name them all? Probably not. <laughs> Give it a shot. I'm sorry? Give it a shot. Okay. Jason, Eva, Allie, uh, Rachel, and Anna. You did good. <laughs> hey, Phil. Yeah. Which one's your favorite? They all are. <laughs> they all are in different ways. Okay. Hey, guys. God doesn't show favoritism either. And as ridiculous as that question is to ask a dad, which one is your favorite? Hey! Yes. The three that are in the room right now and the two that might listen to this online when they hear about the discussion. God doesn't play favorites either. And there's so many great stories that, that illustrate this. You know, Jesus was criticized because he made friends with the people who, that, that society looked down on. And one of those times in Mark 2.17, Jesus heard this criticism. And on hearing this, Jesus said to them, It is not the healthy who need a doctor, but the sick. I have, come to call, I have not come to call the righteous, but to call sinners. Jesus says, listen, you don't even recognize that you need me. I didn't, come. I didn't come to spend time with and to minister to people that just want to lift themselves up and put other people down. I came to make friends and to minister with and to spend time with people that, that humble themselves so that God can lift them up. So the what is don't show favoritism. Now the why. The why is often more complicated than the what. Do you agree? Okay, parents, do you agree? The why is more... So you tell your kid something. Do this. That's the what. Do this. And then you get the question, why? why? Well, the why is more complicated than the what. And so sometimes we have this default answer, which is, because I said so. You know, that's, it's just easier. It's to the point, and it's a good answer. Do this because I'm not trying to rob you of some kind of joy. I'm trying to protect you. I'm trying to invite you into a better way. And so sometimes the answer is, you know what, because I said so. Just do it because I said so. Because the why is more complicated. Okay, it takes a lot more time, Celine. It takes a lot more time when, when mommy says, Celine, eat your pumpkin soup. And Celine makes that face. And she says, I don't want to eat the pumpkin soup. And, and, and she says, why? Eat your pumpkin soup. Why? And, and it's just so much easier to say, because I said so, than it is to say, because if you don't eat it, you're going to hurt mommy's feelings. You're going to make her feel unappreciated, and you're being disrespectful. And, 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 and then daddy is going to get involved and get defensive about that. And you don't want none of this, Okay. So it's just easier sometimes, and it's quicker, and it's to the point to just say, because I said so. Because the why is often much more complicated than the what. And the what is, don't show favoritism. But number two in your notes, the why is, it's because you dishonor God. When you show favoritism, you dishonor God. 
You show that you do not understand the gospel message of Jesus Christ. <coughs> Anybody ever been the last one picked for dodgeball? <laughs> yeah. You know what? Training. You got to train more. And if you can dodge a wrench, you can dodge a ball. <laughs> I'm sorry I said that. But, but some of us have been the last one picked. And I want you to know that's not how God chooses his team. God isn't interested in picking the best and the brightest and the most talented, the most attractive, the the, the wealthiest, the most influential for his team, and then calling that the church. Because if God is looking for the best and the brightest, if God is looking for the smartest, the most attractive, the most talented, and the wealthiest, would you just take a moment and look around the room? Because it's not us. And, And there's good news. It is in you not being awesome that God can flex his muscles and say, I can show everybody that all of this is about me. It's not about you. You don't have to be awesome. And we should take joy in that. Jesus one time was comparing the prayers of a fancy man to a hated man, one man who was very prideful and another man who was very humble, and Jesus showed no favoritism. This is found in Luke chapter 18, verse 14. And Jesus, at the end of explaining how one was prideful and one was humble, he said, I tell you, this man, talking about the humble man rather than the other, he went home justified before God. For all of those who exalt themselves, all those who lift themselves up will be humbled, and all those who humble themselves will be exalted. And when you show favoritism, when you show partiality, when you play favorites, you discriminate and you dishonor God. Because when you do this, you step out from under His saving grace and you make all of this about you. You weren't saved because of your awesomeness. So the idea that someone else has to meet your definition of awesome is anti-gospel. It's outside of the way that God works, and it's outside of the mercy that you have been shown. So the what is don't show favoritism. The why is because it dishonors God. And so the how is, well, then how are we to behave? What are we supposed to do? Number three in your notes, here's the how. Follow the example of Jesus. Follow the example of Jesus. The gospels are full of, of beautiful pictures of how Jesus interacted with others. And if you want to please the heart of God, if you, want to, if you want to be invited into the better way of living life, then follow the example of Jesus. Now, it's not just a different way. It is a better way. You're pleasing God and you're living a more fulfilled life. One of the last lessons that Jesus taught his disciples before he was arrested and tried and then crucified was he got down on his hands and knees. And what did he do? Yeah, he, went, he got down on his hands and knees and went from disciple to disciple to disciple around the whole room, and he washed their feet. And you can read about that in John chapter 13. But after Jesus did this, Jesus said, I have set you an example that you should do as I have done for you. Jesus didn't play favorites. I want you to listen to this, guys. Jesus, Jesus even washed the feet of Thomas, who would later do what? who would later doubt him, right? Jesus even washed the feet of Peter, who would later do what? Deny him. Jesus even washed the feet of Judas, who would later do what? Betray him. Jesus didn't play favorites. He loved and he served everyone. So don't play favorites. God doesn't, and it dishonors him 
when you do? Well, maybe there's one situation where it's okay for you to play favorites. All right? I spent all this time saying, don't show favoritism. Now I'm going to tell you, show a little favoritism. All right? Do you want to know that? Do you want to know when it's okay? Can I tell you that? Sure. Are you on the edge of your seat? <laughs> you can write this in your notes. The only legitimate type of favoritism is the kind that considers others higher than yourself. The only legitimate type of favoritism is when you consider others higher than yourself. You want to play favorites? Okay, just make sure everybody else wins and you lose. That's not comparing this group of people to that group of people. In James's example, the, the rich man to the poor man. Nope, it's comparing you to the rich man and saying, you're more important. Your, your wants, needs, and desires are more important than mine. It's you comparing yourself to the poor man and saying, your wants, needs, and desires are more important than mine. I'm going to submit to what you need. So if you want to play favorites, that's okay. Just make sure everyone else wins. Philippians 2.3, the Apostle Paul is writing to a church here, and he says, Do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit, but rather in humility, value others above yourselves, not looking to your own interests, but each of you looking to the interests of others. Can you imagine what life would be like if you spent all of your energy trying to, trying to make others' needs more important than your own? Can you imagine what life would be like? I mean, if we all did that for each other, we would argue all the time. But what we would argue about is, oh, no, 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 let's go eat where you want to go eat, wherever you want to go eat. No, 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 I want to go where you want to eat. No, 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 let's go. You want to go to the movies? Yeah, let's go to the movies. You want to go to the movies? Yeah, let's go to the movies. What movie do you want to see? Whatever you want to see. Oh, wait, wait, here. No, here, you take my seat. This is a better seat. You take my seat. I'm going to go sit on the floor in the back. Can you imagine what life would be like if we spent all of our energy, and these are silly examples, but, but there are big examples in life, if we spent our energy serving the wants, needs, and desires of other people above ourselves. How amazing that would be if, if we tried to outgive and outbless each other. What an amazing picture of life. What an amazing picture of life with Christ. So here's a test for you, friends. When you see someone, someone that's not a lot like you, see them through the eyes of God. See them through the eyes of God. So I have a next step for you here, and I'm going to challenge you to do something, and you can write this in your notes. Here's my next step. I'm going to challenge you to do this this week. Make friends with someone very different from yourself this week. Make friends, not just with somebody, but with somebody that's very different from you. That means I might have to walk on that other side of the neighborhood again. Make friends with someone very different from yourself this week. And then pray for them by name. Learn their name. Be specific in your prayers and pray for them by name. And ask God to give you opportunities to show them value and respect. Make friends with somebody that's very different from yourself. Pray for them by name. Ask God to give you opportunities to show them value and respect. And in doing this, what I know that is going to be a natural outflow of this is you're going to build a relationship with someone and you're going to earn the right to, to eventually talk to them about Jesus Christ. How beautiful that is. And this leads us into our memory verse for this week. James 2.13, mercy triumphs over judgment. Mercy triumphs over judgment. Mercy is what we have received, 
And when we show mercy, when we show love, when we show acceptance to others, it honors God and it illustrates God's love and his acceptance to us. This week, um, again, I don't remember what day of the week it was. It's funny how that happens to me a lot. But uh, Norma is our secretary, and, and she called me, and she said, Frank, I just went out to get the mail, and there's a problem. And I said, well, what's the problem, Norma? And she said, she said the, the mailbox door was closed. And I'm like, well, that's pretty normal, you know. And, and she, she said, when I opened it, there was a big frog in there. And I just closed it. I just, I can't deal with that. And I think somebody put it in there on purpose and they're just messing with me. And, and the only thing that I thought about that was I was upset with myself that I hadn't thought of that before. And so to answer your question, no, it wasn't me this time. Um, but but she, she went out to get the mail. There's a frog in there. And, and so she said, you're going to have to get the mail yourself. And so I, no problem. So I came by, and, and here's a picture. Now, you can't see very well, so I zoom in again. There's the little dude. He's vicious, isn't he? I think he's part pit bull. Pit bull frog. I just, I just made that up, and I'll be here all week. Don't forget to tip your waitress. Okay, so, and then, and then there he is. When I got the mail, he jumped up there. And so, you know, this little harmless guy was there. But this, this just made me think about my sermon. Everything makes me think about the sermon. And so I put this, I put this in your notes, and, and you can fill in this blank. If you ever see a frog in a mailbox, and the door's shut, you know, okay? If you ever see a frog in a mailbox, you can be pretty sure he didn't get there on his own. If you ever see a frog in a mailbox, you can be pretty sure he didn't get there on his own. Now, some of you are thinking, this is funny. I'm going to do this. Guys, this is Florida. That mailbox is metal. This guy's lucky that he wasn't fried in the Florida heat, okay? There's no water in the mailbox. So, you know, it, he, he was fine. But uh, don't go home and do this. It's just, you know, it, you would open, it would be, hey, Celine, go get the mail. Ah! You know, <laughs> it would be ugly. So just don't do that in this heat. But if you ever find a, a frog in the mailbox, you probably won't. But if you do, just... Realize that you can be pretty sure he didn't get there on his own. And when you see someone that's been blessed in some way, you see someone that's been blessed materially. I know that as we preach, some of you are like hiding your expensive watch and you're thinking, dude, it's a new shirt, okay? My mom got it for me. Or, or you're hiding the keys to your new car, you know? Oh, th- those are wonderful blessings. I'm happy for you. In today's example from the passage, the rich people in the church were oppressing and taking advantage of the poor people, okay? God bless rich people. I don't want you to misunderstand that. But when you see someone that is blessed and maybe blessed materially or maybe blessed with a lot of talent or maybe blessed, blessed with health, I want you to know that they didn't get there on their own. It is a blessing from God. Every good and perfect gift comes from the Father of lights. All that we have comes from Him. And we are blessed in many different ways. And as all of these blessings come together to make up a church family, the Bible calls that the the, the body of Christ. That we're all different. We all have different talents. We all have different blessings. But we come together and we create something beautiful. And so write this last phrase in your notes. God blesses as He sees fit and for His purposes. So however God has blessed you, it's not better than someone else's blessing. You have no right to look down on them. And however God has blessed you, don't look at other people's blessings and think, oh, I wish I could trade mine for that. Okay, God has blessed you the way that he sees fit and for his purposes. Everyone is equally made in the image of God. Everyone. 
black, white, brown, young, old, teen, male, female. I don't have anything that I'm going to say for the middle of that one. <laughs> Rich, poor, middle class. We are all made in the image and in the likeness of God. Everyone has equally fallen and everyone is in need of Jesus Christ as their Savior. Everyone is equally saved. Everyone equally has an opportunity to be invited and welcomed into his family. And when we play favorites, we are interfering with God's plan. So the question isn't necessarily, where does the rich man sit or where does the poor man sit? The question is, where does Jesus Christ sit? And if you place him on his throne, then you are very, very interested in devoting your life to being transformed into his likeness and becoming closer and closer to him and becoming more and more like him. So James walks us through this letter. We continue to evaluate ourselves and we continue to see just how much we don't measure up. But God is interested in progress, not perfection. Let's pray. Our Father, we thank you for your love and we pray that as we come to the end of another Sunday morning where we've spent time with you and we've spent time with friends that we love so much and we've prayed for each other and we've laughed with each other. Lord, I I just pray that you would be with us and help us to honor you in every aspect of our lives. And and Lord, when, when we are naturally drawn to people that are just like us, help us to make sure that that we are seeing everyone through your eyes and don't ever let that become favoritism or partiality or discrimination. And as we see people through your eyes, that we have nothing but love and mercy and acceptance for them. Thank you for accepting us just as we are. But thank you for not leaving us that way. Thank you for challenging us to grow more and more like you. Lord, if there's anyone here today that has not accepted you as Lord and Savior, they have that opportunity. And I pray that today would be the day. It's in Jesus' name that we pray. Amen.